From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, it is February the 13th out here in Central Texas. I'm Brian McLean. I'm joined by Steve Hook off the Jersey Shore. Steve, welcome to State of the Nation. Good to be back, brother. Good to be back. We woke up to some snow today. We got uh, we got uh, several inches of snow. It's Thankfully, I'm happy to report that it's all melting and the sun is out. So fingers all right. crossed. All right. Well, you know, we're going to talk to Joe Bastardi later. He kind of warned us about this storm, so maybe he'll let you know if that's the last one to expect or if we're still on the wait list for some more Arctic uh, conditions there for you. Hopefully not, but yeah. Yeah. He called it. He did. He called it pr- pretty much to the day. Uh, he said mid-February. A month ago. Yeah, a he month said, ago. Mid- so. he, said, he, said, he said mid-February, you guys are going to get hit again. And gee, it's February 13th, and we got hit again. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. TNT's weather and uh, uh, meteorology watchdog right there showing us what it's all about. Now, I got to remind you, last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20 and 21 at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United States. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire two days if it goes the whole two days. Then TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London. Also, the London premiere of The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, will be at the Rio Cinemas on Sunday, the 18th of February at 1 p.m. The film will be followed by a panel discussion and a QA with Tariq Ali, uh, Kristen Harfson, sorry if I mispronounced that, and hopefully Stella Assange. So that could be a really good event. You should get out there. To find out more, just do a web search for The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, London Premier, and TNT. You know how we do. We light that fuse for freedom. So, Steve, uh, some extra in in that news right now. The Trust Fall, that sounds like, uh, again, something I wish I could be out there at the Rio Cinemas. Yeah, I bet it's going to be a great film. And could you just imagine the pressure that the UK is coming under uh, from our uh, absent-minded president? I mean, uh, and the DOJ to extradite uh, Julian to the states. I bet it's an enormous amount of pressure. I hope they don't. I, ho- I hope they don't give in to it. But we'll have to wait and see. We'll have yeah, to wait me and see. too. Me too. And uh, we, you know, we can't forget this is pressure from both administrations, uh, yep. Trump administration included. So what's true, up with that? True. 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 Yeah, that's not a good look. All right. Well, I got to get to this one, Steve. Um, A state representative and former House minority leader who headlined uh, the launch event of a Biden administration-funded censorship and indoctrination program is now disavowing the project after an expose was done on this subject by MRC. Uh, So we're talking about Rhode Island Representative Brian Newberry, Republican, once supported a so-called media literacy initiative created with over $700,000 from President Joe Biden's DHS, uh, initially developed by Biden's Department of State also. Now, the Rhode Island Center for Freedom and Prosperity has revealed that Newberry is calling for government officials to abandon the scandal-plagued program. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. In this MRC report, they exposed how the Biden administration used taxpayer money from DHS's targeted violence and terrorism prevention grant program 
to push censorship and leftist activism. <laughs> How about that? So they called this Courageous Rhode Island. This was the effort spearheaded by the University of Rhode Island's Media Education Lab, the Rhode Island Lab, and the Media Literacy Now, uh, a leftist lobbying group. And the duo used taxpayer money to commission blog posts disparaging Donald Trump, the MAGA movement, and the Second Amendment. They also revealed that this Rhode Island Lab and Media Literacy Now are currently using DHS funds to reward children to create social media posts advocating for censorship isn't that amazing it kind of reminds me of mark anderson's discussion last week when we were talking about the cdc trying to indoctrinate children with yeah. uh you know disease pandemic industrial complex uh, propaganda yeah well you know uh, let me just right right screw progressives and everything that they represent this is just th this this is uh here you're using taxpayer money uh to create division because uh, that's exactly what it is it's taxpayer money earmarked to create division that's who they are folks and i'm telling you um this nothing this biden administration spends money on surprises me anymore unless they were to say you know what we're going to spend a bunch of money to secure our borders to pay our cops and to boost our military preparedness then i would be shocked uh, but other than that, nothing they spend the money on shocks me. Uh, sliming Trump and slam, uh, sliming Ma the MAGA extremist wing of the Republican Party. Hey, Joe, I got news for you. The entire Republican Party is pretty much MAGA right now. So you're slamming over 50% of the country. It's, I'm glad to hear that the guy that, that started this project bagged out of it uh, and said, no, 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 let's not go here. But that's not going to stop you know, yeah. the sycophants. Yeah, absolutely. And this whole concept of weaponizing children against the Second Amendment, against any amendment in our founding documents, for that matter, is uh, very infuriating to a lot of Americans. So yeah. uh, it's a really bad look. And uh, I'm glad that expose was done. And I'm glad one of the backers has uh, done a 180 on it, because clearly this is un-American uh, use of propaganda. But of yep. course, the Smith Munt uh, <laughs> Act being stricken was, uh, I don't know, that changed the landscape for sure. All right. At TNT Radio, we never go home and we're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We're live 24 7 online globally, no matter what. We got you covered on today's news talk, TNT. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Elon Musk has made good on his offer and has hired lawyers to team up with Gina Carano to take on Disney for her termination. And what she alleges, and we all saw with our own eyes, was subsequent harassment and defamation by their executives at the highest level. Joining us now to discuss is Corinne Clark from freepressfail.com. Corinne, welcome back to State of the Nation. Wonderful to see you. So let's let's back up here. Remind us what happened with Gina Carano because the news cycle is, let's face it, a little bit tiring. And then update us about the latest. Yeah, well, Gina Carano, this is now almost two years ago, it feels like. Uh, she had tweeted something about, during COVID, about how, you know, Germany... They arrested their their neighbors. It's how Nazis rose to power. And that was it was just an image that says people wonder how this happens. Well, 
this is how. And I think in during COVID, when we saw people freaking out about whether or not you were wearing a mask or getting vaccinated or doing anything, it was really relevant to the time. And Disney fired her from The Mandalorian, where she played a popular character on a pretty popular show. And it kind of died down for a while. But Elon Musk, when he took over Twitter, now X, had tweeted that he would help anyone who lost their job because of something that they posted on Twitter. Um, And now Gina Carano is taking him up on that offer and they're teaming up to sue Disney because it seems like after the firing, there was subsequent harassment that was damaging to her emotionally, but also professionally. She uh, obviously was supposed to finish out her time on The Mandalorian. And also there was a spinoff for her character. And that has been canceled based on this tweet that was, Honestly, I see every every outlet has said that Gina Carano is suing because she was fired for posting right wing propaganda. And I'm, as someone who posts a lot of right wing propaganda, I thought it was just pretty innocent post. I did not think there was anything <laughs> super right wing about it, but she was fired for it. So they are suing Disney over it. It's pretty interesting. Corinne, hi. Um, it is good to have you today. Um yeah, Gina Carano. That story I remember when it came, uh, when 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 they they booted her and it 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 almost seemed like they were looking for an excuse to get rid of her because everybody knew that she was a right winger. Therefore, let's find a reason to fire her. Uh, she just basically said, "Look, you know, neighbor uh, tattletailing on neighbor, uh, very reminiscent of Nazi Germany." And guess what? It was, and they fired her because of it. And frankly, I've never watched The Mandalorian since. I I watched the first couple of episodes, first three or four episodes of that show. I've since canceled my Disney uh, subscription. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't even carry that network anymore. Uh, And they're hurting. It's not like Disney made a move that has financially benefited them. They're tanking right now. Disney Plus is hurting. Um, Do you see? them ever turning around and saying, maybe we got this, not with Gina per se, but just this whole, let's drive a narrative, push this leftist mindset. Uh, I mean, their movies are tanking. The network is tanking the park. Uh, their parks have got uh, lower admission than the normal. Do you think they're ever going to turn around or is this just, they're just going to be stuck on this? Yeah. I mean, it might be wishful thinking on my part, but I think that they will be forced to turn around at least a little bit. We've already seen some changes in leadership, and I think their blatant rhetoric has toned down a little bit from what it was two to three years ago. But, you know, progressives are always going to push a progressive agenda, and I think we can expect them to continue to do that, just maybe not so openly, not so blatantly um, or offensively as they have been. And I think this lawsuit with Gina might actually force some legal ramifications where they can't just outright fire someone. They're going to have to find a better excuse than one tweet. Um, And I think Gina points out they did this so it's such discrimination because her co-stars have posted much more political, much more outrageous tweets than she ever had. And I think they'll have to legally be a lot more clever with how they dismiss people in the future. Yeah. And, and this whole, you know, the defamation aspect, uh, they really did do their best to damage her character and you know how it is in Hollywood. It's like, once you're sort of, you know, 
uh, labeled a conservative or labeled a wrong thinker, all of a sudden, you know, your agent's like, well, the phone stopped ringing. What, what's going on here? And, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're like Scott Bayo or something. And, you know, just having a good time on Twitter and not getting a bunch of jobs anymore. And I mean, they've, I, I recall uh, people calling her anti-Semitic and, you know, that, that was it, leading up to what, where we're at right now, where, the term, you know, and, and this happened through the Trump years, too. Everybody was called a racist and a Nazi just for being conservative. Um, I mean, it, it does. Everyone feels like defamed when they get called that for for making. Uh, I mean, she made a statement about history that was historically accurate and then called a racist and a terrible person. I mean, do you think she has a good case here? Do you think she can win? Absolutely. And I, I still don't see what would be even interpreted as anti-Semitic in that post. If anything, it was supportive of Jewish neighbors in Germany, yeah. not saying, oh, the Germans did a great job. It was the opposite. She was criticizing what happened. I think there's nothing anti-Semitic about that post. She has a good case based on that tweet alone. But what she also has brought up, which I I didn't know, and I don't think a lot of people knew, is that Disney also forced her to apologize in person to a bunch of people who worked at Disney. So this defamation goes beyond the public uh, statements that Disney was making and actually personally forced her to say all these things like, oh, I'm sorry for posting anti-Semitic stuff when she did not do that. Um, I think she has a great case against them, and I really hope she gets everything she wants out of it. Yeah, I, I hope she gets everything she wants and more. I mean, this is crazy. I didn't know that. So they forced Gina to go and publicly basically kowtow to people that she probably didn't even offend. But this was a great way of, you know, making her wear a hair shirt, you know, just self-flagigation. I mean, in front of people, you must apologize. Thank you for apologizing. You're fired. That is just unbelievable. And I do know that the guy that actually plays the Mandalorian, I forget his name. He was on Game of Thrones, too. I always liked him as an actor. Now, not so much. But I went through and looked at some of his tweets. You're right. He is blatantly political. And if anybody on that show came out and said, Trump is a clown, people who support Trump are morons or whatever, they wouldn't get so much as a slap on the wrist. But because Gina... Uh, Carano says, Hey, wait a minute. It's not, how are you, why are you turning neighbor against neighbor when it comes to this damn COVID shot? I, I think she's got a good case. And the thing that's important here, uh, Corinne, I think, and you probably would agree is that her legal team has a pretty, pretty deep pocketbook with Elon, uh, standing by her side. Huh? I mean, that's a, he can hire the best lawyers on the planet. Absolutely. And I hope he he did. It seems like they have a pretty solid case. And I I would think that Disney would settle this before it goes to court, because the more and more people hear about this, I I feel that they'll be more outraged at Disney. They would really benefit from getting this over with quickly without all the details emerging in the press about how discriminatory they had been towards Gina. Um, and and again, you you bring up the the co-stars tweets. I think if you just put those side by side, most Americans are like, okay, well, this is very unfair because Diego's tweets are incredibly inflammatory. He calls every yeah. supporter a Nazi just blatantly. He doesn't imply it. He says it and uh, he's got a job still. So 
the opportunity from Gina taken when she was fired from the Mandalorian and then her show canceled afterwards, there's, those are huge damages. That's not going to be difficult to prove. Yeah. Those are big numbers right there. They will be difficult to prove loss of wages and loss of opportunities in giant, you know, star Wars, Disney movies and, and shows is, I don't even know how you would calculate that. All right, Corinne, we're out of time. We got to let you go. Thanks for the update on this. Good for Elon. Good for Gina. We wish them the best and we wish you the best too. Appreciate everything you do. Uh, freepressfail.com is the website and at Corinne Clark on social media. We'll talk to you again next time, Corinne. Thank you once again. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Steve Malzberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers what, what was was the duty of the president to do. And then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted. The example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean... This opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. My character, Shazam, knows all about growing up in a family full of teenage superheroes. They're bold. Where's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. Adventurous. There's never a dull moment. And no matter what happens, they'll always have your back. All they need is a place to grow and be themselves. And the best part is, you don't have to be a superhero to adopt a teen. Learn more about adopting a teen from foster care. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. It sounds pretty good. It's it sounds like, real, dude. Not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. Well, as we made mention on yesterday's show, uh, the Senate held a special session on Super Bowl Sunday of all days in order to push through a bill to help fund Ukraine, among others. But it does absolutely nothing to address the broken border. The Make Ukraine Great Again bill passed with the help of uh, over 20 rhino Republicans. It was authored by Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Now it heads to the House, uh, where Speaker Johnson has already said it's never even going to come up for a floor vote. It's dead when it arrives. Americans are furious about the border, and this crap bill does absolutely nothing to address it. It rather pushes it to the back of the line. Joining uh, joining us to discuss this bill and the tone deafness of the Senate is Chief Communications Officer for America First Policy Institute, Mark Lauder. Mark, welcome uh, back to State of the Nation. It's great to see you, sir. We got a $95 billion bill out of the Senate while we were all prepping our chicken wings and icing the beer for the big game. McConnell and Schumer were uh, doing us dirty behind our backs on a special session on Sunday and they don't put a dollar towards the border. Um, 
What do you, what, what is your, give us your hot take on this bill. Yeah, I mean, here we go again. Biden administration, Democrats, and in this case, just Washington in general, spending money we don't have on stuff we don't need. I mean, we got to secure our own border. And, you know, I'm all for helping, obviously, Israel standing up to China as it relates to Taiwan. Uh, but we got to worry about our own interests, American interests first. And then once we get that done, we can talk about others. Yeah, I mean, aren't there are there not ways to do these things diplomatically? I mean, it seems like the the, the go to is just print money and send it quickly. And I mean, we still haven't even gotten the receipts for all the what hundred billion, hundred and fifteen billion we've already sent to Ukraine. But we are seeing, if you look hard enough, a, a pretty terrible death toll there. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about Washington, D.C. I forget who said it, so I'm giving somebody credit. I don't remember who they are. But I mean, Washington's answer really to everything is don't just stand there, spend something. And we've got to change that narrative. And when it comes to Ukraine, I mean, think about it this way. It takes the entire rest of the world to tie what we have done on our own. American taxpayers, Americans have given enough. It's time for Europe to stand up to deal with this problem, which is in their own backyard. Why is the entire rest of the world, their joint contribution equal to ours by itself? Yeah. And you know what, Mark, now that you mention that, uh, this kind of dovetails into Trump's recent remarks about our NATO allies that basically, and I'm totally paraphrasing, but this was uh, uh, kind of what he said. If you're not willing to belly up and 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 you know throw some some cash on the bar, uh, and if Russia or somebody some adversary decides to invade you, uh, we're not going to do a damn thing about it. You should have paid up. Now, of course, the media lost their mind when he said that Trump is throwing our NATO allies under the bus. But even some of the NATO allies came out later and said, "We know he didn't mean that." Literally, it was a figurative uh, a way of driving home the point that we need to pay our fair share. And when Trump was in office, NATO countries paid their fair share. They know that Biden's not going to hold their feet to the fire. They know that Biden is using Ukraine as a Democrat slush fund. And that's exactly what's happening. This 60 some odd billion that would be earmarked to go to Ukraine. I guarantee you a third of that would come back into DNC coffers at some point down the road. I mean, don't you suspect that's kind of what's going on here? Well, at least it'll go to Hunter Biden. <laughs> you know, they've already been paying him for doing nothing. But no, you're absolutely right. And look, when it comes to NATO, the president was clear when he was in office and he remains clear today. You made a commitment. By the way, this is a commitment made back in 2004 and reaffirmed not only under George W. Bush, but also under Barack Obama, that NATO members would pay 2% of their GDP to their common defense. And there are a handful of countries that are doing so, and many, like Germany, who are not. And the president is basically saying, I'm sick and tired of all of this politically correct, nice diplomatic speech where we're gonna say things, but do nothing. I mean, could you imagine if I don't pay my homeowner's bill to State Farm, if my house gets burnt down, they're not going to come and bail me out because I haven't paid my my premiums. This is what the president is saying. You made a commitment, honor it. And if he has to rattle a few cages in order to get it done, they know he's serious where Joe Biden probably doesn't even know all the, the names of the NATO countries together.
<laughs> well, he might randomly remember a couple of dead people, you know, that used to be in the cabinet. I don't, I don't know. Charles know de Gaulle. Well, he, did, yeah, he did talk to Winston Churchill last week. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Me what and about, Chiang Kai-shek. What, yeah, about sure. this, um, it, what about this impeachment trapdoor that they're, they're talking about building into some of these stipulations? I mean, that sounds dangerously, dangerously close to Banana Republic sort of legislation. Yeah, I mean, this is what, I mean, again, this is what you get when you don't keep a watchful eye on the Democrats on Capitol Hill. They'll sneak these things in there. And when you get a 800-page bill or a 1,000-page bill and you're given an hour to read it before you have to vote on it, and just trust me, it's, you know, it's what we says we say it is, and they slide these things in there. It just shows you they're not serious about negotiating this. This is all about making sure that the hawks out there still get their money going when the American people are saying time and again, deal with our southern border, secure our southern border, stand up with Israel, stand up to China, and we can deal with everything else and let Europe shoulder the, uh, the bill for Ukraine for a while. Yeah, you know, Mark, you're talking about the Hawks. And of course, everybody, when I think of Hawk, I immediately think of uh, of Lindsey Graham. But even Lindsey Graham voted against this bill. He did, he was not one of the yeas on this bill. He said, no, we got to secure that southern border. And th th this is, let me just ask you this. How long do you think Mitch McConnell has as a leader in, in the Senate? Because uh, he's ticking off a lot of people right about now. Well, I don't, I don't believe, and I'm not an expert on Senate procedures, but I don't believe there is a mechanism like there is in the House where you could remove the leader in the middle of a session. Uh, so unless he steps down, he's there. But I mean, come next January, when we've hopefully got a majority in the, in the United States Senate, then I think there's going to be a serious fight uh, for leadership of the Senate, especially if we are able to retake control of the Senate uh, there should be a fight, and we should have people who are putting America first principles first and foremost, and not necessarily rely on just the uh, old the old party policies of the past. Yeah, yeah, clearly the old party policies of the past are uh, sort of waning in the current environment right up there on Capitol Hill right now. Now, Mark, we've got a headline inbound here, so we're going to take a headline, but hold the line because when we come back, I want to I want to talk to you about this a little bit more about where what it actually means to send 95 billion dollars in foreign aid. I want to kind of pick your brain about how that's parsed out, how much of that goes directly to, you know, Raytheon and, and other companies in the form of, uh, you know, contracts. I'm curious about this. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. Real news. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Former President Donald Trump's legal team has appealed to the Supreme Court to dismiss a federal criminal case against him, citing presidential immunity. Vice President Kamala Harris has affirmed her readiness to assume the presidency if necessary amidst discussions concerning President Joe Biden's age and memory issues. The U.S. Senate, led by Democrats, passed a $95 billion international security assistance package, which allocates approximately $60 billion in aid for Ukraine. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. 
for the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations. Vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. All right. Mark Lauder from AmericaFirstPolicy.com is our guest. Mark, how does that work? Like if if our government says, hey, we're going to cut $65 billion to Ukraine, is it uh, wire transfer? Is it multifaceted? What's that actually look like? Well, I think it's in a lot of different areas. I mean, some of that obviously will be in military supplies. Some of that will be in humanitarian aid and humanitarian supplies. But there's also a lot of waste. And we've already seen reports coming out of tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars that has gone to corruption and waste. And so that's one of the things that America First Republicans are saying is that even if we do give more money, we want to make sure there's a good accounting of it. And where does it go? A lot of cases, I have a feeling it's going to basically be used to backfill uh, surplus equipment and supplies that we have actually provided them and that they will then be refilled into our stockpiles. And look, I have no problem with, you know, uh, replacing things that we've given by buying American, keeping Americans at work in our defense factories and our contractors. But again, we've got to make sure that the money we are providing is not being wasted. It's being used to the best and highest possible use and that we are basically helping them win this war and then end this war. Yeah. Well, you know what, Mark? That's just it. I don't think they want this war to end. I, I, and listen, this is just me, but it seems, it seems like what they're doing is keeping this war going, uh, kicking it down the, kicking the can down the road. I suspect this is a war of cover up. They don't want any of the secrets of Burisma coming back, uh, to bite them in the butt. I like what president Trump said though. He said, if you're going to give them money, don't just give it to them like a grant, give it to them like a loan. And that's what Lindsey Graham said. He goes, yeah, I agree with former President Trump. It should be considered a loan and not a grant, not a gift. And Biden and Schumer shoot that down and say how un-American this is, MAGA craziness. So it's now considered crazy if the American people start saying, why the hell am I funding to secure the Ukrainian border when we won't even spend a penny on our own? It just doesn't make a lick of sense. I'm sure Joe Biden can't remember this, but, you know, we actually did this before in the run up to World War II under a Democrat president, FDR. It was famously called the Lend-Lease Program because Great Britain could not manufacture enough airplanes and enough ammunition to defend itself in uh, from Nazi Germany prior to our entry into World War II. And we couldn't give it to them. So they created the Lend-Lease program where we lent it to them or we leased it to them. And then obviously once the war got broke, we got entered into the war. That all changed. But this allowed them to get munitions, get airplanes, get supplies from United States manufacturers, get them into the hands of their soldiers. And then they were scheduled to obviously pay the American people back. Once we got drawn into the war, that changed that that changed that. But this isn't unheard of. We've done this before and did it pretty well. 
Mm-hmm. And and what about the money that's earmarked for Taiwan and Israel? I mean, are are we, is it going to be like Ukraine? You think? Are we? Is it just going to disappear into slush funds that you know? Or are we going to have receipts on any of this stuff? I mean, Amer- the American people right now are pretty sour on the hundred plus billion that have already gone to Ukraine. I think. I mean. It seems like kind of across the aisles now, the media doesn't even like to talk about Ukraine anymore, aside from, you know, a bill about it. Well, those, those two countries, I have zero question uh, about how they use that money. Uh, Israel and Taiwan, they both, not only do they buy some of our most technologically advanced weapons and the, some of the things that, you know, that we use ourselves, not our surplus. Uh, so they're on the front lines of buying some of our best equipment putting it to good use. Both of them have been longstanding allies. There are not corruption problems in Israel or in Taiwan to the level that we have seen historically uh, in Ukraine. And so uh, of both those countries, when we give them uh, military assistance, uh, you know it's going to the best uh, use possible. Well, and not only that, but I mean, Israel helps us, us, helps the United States develop the most sophisticated military equipment on the planet. That's a U.S.-Israel deal. I mean, everybody knows that. Taiwan uh, is is making all of our chips right now. So they're obviously uh, very, very important uh, for our strategic national defense. Ukraine, on the other hand, as you make, you rightly point out, is rife with corruption. And guess what? It was long before Trump was in office and long before Biden was in office. Ukraine is the most corrupt country uh, in in Eastern Europe and former Soviet bloc countries. So I just, I think people like, to Hesh's point, I think people have soured on this. They're like, okay, look, enough is enough. And you know what we never get, Mark? We never get casualty figures from this war. I have not, I, I, Hesher made in, mentioned that it's damn near close to half a million or more deaths just on the Ukraine side. But the media just seems to kind of ignore that and says, you got to pass this bill. We got to give them more money. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And look, I'm always, I'm always in favor of letting someone else do the dirty work that our men and women in uniform don't have to do. So if you want to kill Russians, uh, Russian soldiers, uh, then have at it, but we have to have accountability, make sure the money's not being wasted. We also have to have an end result. What is the end result here? We're not just going to fund a never ending war. And we are now approaching, I believe what the second, the third anniversary of this war and we still have no end result in sight. What does success look like? And if you had a strong leader in President Biden, which we don't, then you would stand before the American people and say, what is the end result you are seeking? What is this negotiated peace or peace look like? And if we're going to do it, then let's do it right and make sure they can achieve their strategic objective with the with no U.S. casualties at the least dollar figure and then be done with it and get out. Yeah, and that's why that entrapment uh, and the impeachment trapdoor, forgive me, impeachment trapdoor is so concerning because that goes to Steve's point. Like, it seems as though they don't want this to end because this is not a war that's been declared by Congress, yet the Senate is trying to build in, uh, you know, something that, that could lead to the impeachment of Donald Trump, perhaps, if he were to get elected and then try to, uh, you know, de-escalate this whole thing. I mean, th- that just really does kind of beg the question, like, do they want and just, a, you know, endless uh, 
conflict happening here. So I don't know. Uh, what, what do you think about that? That'll be our, uh, our final thought. We're almost out of time here. Well, the key is that both sides have to understand, look, our involvement's going to lead to one side or the other being victorious or coming back with the remain the remnants of their army in tatters. If you are Vladimir Putin, you know, you've got to understand that either your your what's left of your army is going to be destroyed or you're ne- going to negotiate peace. Or if you're Ukraine, you're either going to negotiate peace or you're not gonna be able to hold on very long if we're not involved. Both sides have to see that they've gotta get to the table and negotiate an outcome which stops the killing. Right now, we're just prolonging the killing with no end result in sight. Yeah, yeah, well said. All right, AmericaFirstPolicy.com is where you keep up with Mark. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate your take and look forward to your next appearance right here on State of the Nation at today's News Talk TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Joe Biden is fortunate that Pinocchio is a children's story and not reality, for if it were, his nose would be so long it would stretch not to the moon, not to Mars, not even to Jupiter, but to Pluto and back. Joe's been an inveterate liar his entire life. He lies as though lies were the very oxygen he needs to survive. And now he's told the biggest lie of all, that until November, Americans will know that the border is open because of Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. No, Joe, the border is open because the people that are running you want a permanent Democrat governing majority, and they think that this is the way to get it. It's not. We're going to put an end to all of this. And as the president promised, we're going to see the most amazing, and massive deportation effort in American history. We want immigration, but you gotta come here legally. If you're here illegally, there's the door, and out the door you go. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Our next guest is returning to the show to help us into a deep dive into the current state of free market capitalism in the United States. Charles Sauer and Norm Singleton have written a report looking at the rise of woke capitalism and how it's being viewed by various factions in our current 21st century American political blocks on Capitol Hill. Now, the paper examines and critiques the new tendency on the right to embrace the use of state power to achieve political, economic, and social goals. We're not sure how we feel about that. Uh, It will then provide analysis on the Democrats. Uh, So you're going to want to read this. There's a lot in here. Um, It's very pithy. And is there an anti-free market faction? Is that on the rise in in the conservative movement and within the Republican Party? Are Democrats' uh, apparent defense of some businesses from GOP attacks indicative of them embracing free markets? (laughs) Don't think so. Uh, Is there a rise of a new movement that could challenge the progressive dominance of the Democratic parties? 
Uh, Charles Sauer of marketinstitute.org joins us now to talk about it. Charles, thank you for joining us today. Tell us about this report you guys have been working on. Thanks for having me back on and thanks for letting me talk about this. This is an idea that I've been working on and been trying to actually, you know, put my finger on what has been changing in politics. I think anybody that's been looking at politics sees that things are changing, but we finally have enough quotes and enough statements and enough public policies that we can actually see and explain and talk about this change. And just to kind of put this conversation into perspective, uh, Kevin Roberts, the current president of the Heritage Foundation, uh, got on a stage and gave a speech that uh, now's the time that we demand that our elected officials use their power to do everything they can for us. It's time for us to use our power and for our elected officials to use their power to tell Google and Amazon and Disney that they can't ram their products down our throats and instead the government is going to use its power. And I'll admit that's a little bit of a paraphrase, but the whole point is him saying the government needs to use its power. And previous this new movement, that was the sole ground of Bernie Sanders. And now Bernie has friends on the left, but he has all of these friends on the right as well that are looking to use government power. Now, the Heritage Foundation is what gave me kind of the political, the conservative history that I looked for on Capitol Hill. They had, when I started on Capitol Hill, they had the best scoring system in the country, better than Congress had access to because they could do dynamic scoring. And in the last few years, they've given it up because their public policies can't be scored dynamically because they fail. And so this movement that we're seeing of this post-liberal right or this moving away from libertarian economics or limited government is really causing problems. And I think it's being confused a little bit with the left as well, seemingly defending the free markets because we now have uh, woke corporations that are pushing uh, environmental standards. And the left sounds a lot like they're defending corporations. Once you deep take a not even a deep dive, once you uh, you know peek under the covers, you can see that they're supporting the policies that these companies are going on. They still are not de definitely not supporting these corporations. But I think it's important that we pay attention to you know how our group of people that we've supported for a long time are changing. And if you do support limited government. You can't really follow this new direction, and we should be questioning our elected officials instead of getting behind them and telling everybody else that they're wrong if they don't follow them. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, Charlie, I, I, do you care to name any names? I mean, I, I know that um, as a as a conservative, you know, you get, you get all these people that'll say, "Well, I'm a I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm I'm kind of a libertarian when it comes to social issues and all these semantics. We're talking semantics." But when I think conservative governance, I think individual liberty, freedom, free market capitalism, not crony capitalism, not corporatism, free market capitalism, and a smaller, less intrusive federal government. Now you've got some of these people that claim to be conservative that are saying, well, while we're at the reins of power, we might as well use it to crack on the private industry that we don't agree with. That just doesn't wash with a lot of conservatives, uh, conservative voters anyway. So name some names. Who's doing this garbage? 
So in the paper, we focus on J.D. Vance and Josh Hawley because they seem to, and Ron DeSantis, because they seem to be leading this charge. Uh, for instance, if you look at Ron DeSantis in particular, you have his attacks on Florida or uh, his attacks on Disney in Florida. And you don't have to like what Disney has been putting out for the few for the last few years to understand that it likely weaponizing the government against the state's largest economic, uh, you know, uh, uh, growth industry is probably not the best thing for public policy, the economy, or the state. But he wanted to push his the moral part of the conservative agenda by weaponizing government against this company. And that's where we see things going off the rails. I was at a meeting uh, that it was largely of conservatives where J.D. Vance came in and talked about expanding regulations on the rail industry. Um, if you look at what Josh Hawley is uh, basically is jihad against the tech companies, we see this moving all throughout the conservative party. And one of the like kind of problems here the, or the wild card that's been letting this go on realistically undetected is the Trump effect that happened. President Trump isn't really a conservative. Now, he did a lot of good things, but he never even claimed to be really a conservative. And so when he went after companies, he was actually going after this, you know, things that he felt was right. And he was using the government to do it because he was the president, but he was just President Trump. When you move down to senators, they usually have a longer term look at the economy. And so when senators or governors are going after businesses, it has a different effect than a singular president attacking somebody. But these senators have been able to do the same thing. So you can like what President Trump is doing and still dislike what the senators are doing because it actually has a different effect because it comes from a different place and they're couching what they're doing under that conservative umbrella. So the free market part is going away. That limited government piece is the largest piece that's going away, though. They're willing to expand government if it involves taking out things that they think are getting them in the way of a conservative uh, America. It sounds to me, well, this this all harkens to me back to uh, David Icke back in the day talking about the totalitarian tiptoe where you overregulate, you overregulate, one, the pendulum swings one way, a bunch of legislation and changes are put in, pendulum swings the other way, more of it's put in, and as it swings, every everybody is utilizing the new powers that have been put in place. And, you know, we're told all the time, well, well, the GOP is terrible at doing politics. They need to use the same tactics as the as the Democrats. And it's like, is this an example of what it looks like when they use the same tactics as the Democrats? Because I don't like the whiff of it. It's exactly what this is. And the fact is, is we can look at our federal policy and we can see cronyism having crept in. And so you have multiple answers here. You can embrace cronyism, you can oppose cronyism, or you can shrink the government to a size where cronyism isn't doesn't matter or doesn't have a say. And that's the goal here is the right public policy is to make government small enough where there's no need for cronies to be on Capitol Hill to steer public policy in their direction. If there was no reason for 
Apple or Microsoft to have lobbyists on the Capitol on Capitol Hill all the time, you wouldn't see public policy steered in their direction. If Pfizer and the rest of the pharma companies didn't have the Medicare system that we have where they had to be on Capitol Hill all the time, then we wouldn't have a, a lot of the complaints that we have today. So instead of choosing the right way that is hard and makes politicians make hard decisions, I call it the candy of politics. It's just giving that populism candy hit, that sugar boost that they think is going to win them voters instead of making the hard sell. Now, I know if we look back in time that Paul Ryan wasn't the best speaker of the House that we ever had. But if we go back before he was speaker, he ran on some long-term agendas when he was almost just a backbencher in the House. And he was able to sell hard ideas to his constituents. And he used that as a proof of concept. So voters around the country are able to understand long-term concepts, but you have to take the time to explain it to them. You have to take the time to understand it yourself. And then you have to have the guts to go out and push to implement it. Yeah, Charlie, you know what? That, that You just kind of nailed it right there. That's just it. It's real easy for Ron DeSantis to wage war on Disney on a social uh, and, and frame it in a social uh, way. They're pushing uh, DEI or they're, they're they're catering to transgenderism and they're I, I get all that. So so what does he yeah. do? He uses government to enforce this. And that's exactly opposite of what he should do. Even Trump called him on that. Even Trump said you shouldn't be going to war with Disney over this. So it does kind of seem that we, that some of our, and the guys that you just mentioned, J.D. Vance, Josh Hawley, hell, I like both of those guys. And yet even they have succumbed to this easy out of just saying, let's just use the government to punish people that are pushing crap that we don't like. And that is just, and by the way, I couldn't stand Paul Ryan, but you're right. He did push some hard policy agendas. Of course, he got some ads pushing him, pushing grandma over the cliff. We all remember that one. And that's because he took a, a moral stand on it, but he put his money where his mouth was. Now he's in the private sector. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but it would be nice to see some real Republican conservatives say, look, we're not going to punish these people because that would be a, a slap in the face of free market. But my personal opinion is screw Disney or screw company X, whatever it is that, that you're going against, but not use regulatory agencies and, 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 you know, government to, to squash them. That seems uh, ass backwards to me. There's a difference between using your soapbox to let people know what you think and the direction that the country can go and using the boot of government to step on companies' throats. That is the difference that we need to look at. The neoconservatives were a group that stood up and started talking about morality while looking at uh, fiscal legislation. And I call, it's realistically, it started in the late 90s, but I call them the neo-clowns where they started reversing this. And now we're moving into an area that's post-neoclownism. And so it's actually post-liberalism, but post-neoclownism or conservatism for Linacon at the FTC. And they're not just uh, not just not using the soapbox and using government to step on the boots, but they are attacking anybody else that is in our party that is not willing to stand on the throat of corporations. Now, 
you again, and you pointed it out, you don't have to like what these corporations are doing. But if you want to figure out how a company is going to do something different, it means that they're going to have to have investors. They're going to have to have a market. I don't know, Ash. I kind of, I, I must say that I, I'm with Charlie on this. I I can't stand what Disney was doing. Hell, we just had a conversation concerning the case with Gina Carano and Elon Musk. So I'm all down with that. The difference is Elon Musk and Gina Carano don't carry the weight of the U.S. government, and it's not putting the imprimatur of the GOP is now turning its back on fiscal conservatism uh, and, and, and and you know, helping to bury the body of uh, our once thriving free market capitalist system. Um, yeah. Yeah, it kind of feels like uh, we're talking about a symptom of a larger problem right here. Um, or at least the the federal government is and the fortune 100 and the banking industries are feeding this problem by bringing in esg and dei at very very high corporate levels you know what i mean so it's like not only do we have members of uh both parties playing you know these sort of dirty tricks uh we also see uh not a whole lot of pushback from the gop on stopping BlackRock, Vanguard, insert, you know, banking institution, international banking institution, or, um, you know, whatever corporate interest, Fortune 100 corporate interest, like they get tax cuts for this kind of stuff. They have positions they hire for this kind of stuff. So it, it becomes a pretty convoluted mess. And then it's like, what about the what about the people that work at the paper factory next to Disney? You know, they're getting DEI'd and and ESG'd also. Who's who's yeah. going to bat for them? Like, let's attack the policy instead of the you know individual institutions where it's convenient. Yeah, and you know the thing that's funny, and he, and 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 Charlie kind of made mention of this was that it's almost like role reversal here. Because what the Democrats are supporting is not free market capitalism. They're not supporting the free market. They're supporting the initiatives that these particular chosen companies are pushing for them. The narratives, the agendas, the DEI, the, the transgender crap that we said. So now all of a sudden, Disney looks like a hero to the left. So they're going to say, let's give them a break. And then the Republicans, as Republicans often do, kick themselves in the nuts and they say, we're going to go after them. We're going after them. And all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute. You've just abandoned everything that you claim to represent. I can't stand what Disney is doing, frankly. And I hope Gina Carano and Elon Musk sue them for millions and millions of dollars. But I sure as hell don't want a senator to make that call. Right. That's my right. take anyway. You yeah, know. We, we want these policies gone. They're discriminatory policies. They're policies that uh, are in complete opposition to... Uh, their fiduciary duties to their board members. But uh, we'd like to thank Charlie for joining us. We always love it when Charlie Sowers here. Uh, of course, you can go to marketinstitute.org to keep up with Charlie and stay tuned after the top of the hour news here with TNT. We'll be right back with more State of the Nation. 